I'd like to return to Galatians, the fifth chapter, if you will, beginning with verse 22. For the fruit of the Spirit, if you don't have a copy of the lesson, raise your hand and, and we'll get you one. Uh, who has those uh, copies? Would you give uh, two back there, needs, uh, Robert? Anybody else need one, please give it to them back there. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. These are the four that we will discuss this evening. Gentleness, goodness, and faith. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another, which is of the flesh. Now, I want you to look at that 25th verse. Uh, the word if, I said before that there's four if clauses in the uh, Greek language. And one of the conditional sentences that is translated is, it assumes to be true and could be translated since. Since we live in the spirit, and this is according to the context, when uh, the devil said to Jesus, if you be the son of God, it was a, this conditional sentence here. And it could be translated, since you're the Son of God, no doubt about it. Since you're the Son of God, cast these stones into bread. And so on. This is since we live in the Spirit. <clears throat> so we do live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. So if it wasn't possible for us to live in the Spirit, and walk in the Spirit, he wouldn't be giving us this. Now, to help you, though, <clears throat> to understand the relationship of this, look at the, the fourth chapter of Galatians, the sixth verse of the fourth chapter, and he says here, because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Father, Father, that Abba is the same in the original language as the next word. The reason they changed it and put Abba and then Father is to uh, make a variety, but it's just father, father. It's just a pleading here. So uh, he says in the seventh verse, "There you are no more son, servants, but are sons, and his sons then an heir of God through Christ." Now we believe this, and if you would just uh, uh, go to the uh, Acts, the fifth chapter, and verse thirty-two. I'm just uh, refreshing you on this because we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Since we are born-again people and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we're expected to live holy lives. And a life should be commensurate with the gifts of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit that we have. In the 32nd verse of the 5th chapter of Acts, it says, and we are his witnesses of those of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, 
Now in the King James would be Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Now that's plain language. Now God has given to the people who obey, and I want you to look at that word obey. That is a present tense verb. It's people who continue to obey, and when they continue to obey, they have appropriate they are appropriating and maintaining the presence of the Spirit. Now, if you don't maintain that kind of behavior, you can fall out of the grace and love and acceptance of God. We know that. So uh, this should prepare us for the lesson that we're having here in these points that we're making. Uh, look at your outline. Some of the most uh, important writings of Paul is in the text that we've gone over. It, it's, it's been repeated, though, by Paul many places. Uh, but this particular one that I just read shows the both sides of the picture, the flesh and the spirit. You can walk in the spirit and you live in the spirit. But you can also walk in the flesh. That's a choice. In this lesson, uh, we want to uh, place our attention on the, the fruit of the spirit. And if you have the fruit of the spirit and the spirit is given to the people who obey, then when we obey, we're coordinating our efforts with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. And when we don't, we're not accepting him and we're not walking in the way that we should to be pleasing to God. Now, that's because you become spiritual when you understand that. And it's not that complicated. Works of the flesh need no cultivation. We're just born to sin. We're born to uh, have appetites and desires of the flesh because we're in a fleshly world. And man has always had that temptation. And man has always been exposed to an angel who is called the prince of the air and is higher than we are. We're a little lower than the angels and Christ was made a little lower than the angels. Uh, in the flesh like we are and he's called the prince of the air in Ephesians 2 the devil so we've always been subject to the devil and and he's had a playhouse in humanity and the only way we can overcome it is through the spirit the <clears throat> the works of the spirit the fruit of the spirit needs cultivation it needs exercise it needs activity and uh, let's just try to understand at least four points. First, one that's listed in this uh, passage that we just read, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is the first one. And uh, there's, uh, uh, I don't think it's not an accident, and it's not that it was first. It's just, it is first. And verse 3 and 13 said it's first. And, uh, uh, there's nothing without love. There's nothing possible without love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, he said, Though I give my body to be burned, I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and, and I have not love. Uh, I am I'm nothing. I've just become like a sounding brass or a conking cymbal. And in that 13th verse of that 13th chapter of, uh, of uh, Corinthians, he said, There's faith, there's hope, there's love. 
But the love is the greatest of these. Now, if love is the greatest, and when we're loving, we are appropriating and pleasing the Holy Spirit, we're not grieving him, we're placing him, we are then appropriating and we're letting him, we're walking in him, and we are uh, really coordinating our efforts with God. We become holy. By love, <clears throat> we serve one another. We're in Galatians, or we should be, but this 15th, 5th chapter and the 13th verse says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. That's a choice. We can do it. We can have love or we can have hate or we can serve the flesh. It's just a choice. And I'll tell you, love is the strongest. <clears throat> if we want to know how to get along with people, or we'll have good leaders and we want to get people acquainted with heaven and heaven's look at everything that's approved of heaven is just the love. The gospel scheme of redemption is based on love. In John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever believes on him, and that's a constant believing and trust in him, shall not perish but have life. God did this because we, not because we were lovable, not because we didn't sin, not because we were not ugly, but in spite of us being uh, unlovable and ugly and sinful, he still loved us. Now Matthew 5, 46 through 48 says, if, 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 if you just do good unto them that do good unto you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And, and we're, he's to, we're told in that Sermon on the Mount to love one another. And that love was the binding element that brings people together. Romans 5, 7 and 8. Let's just turn to that. I want you to, to look at that. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's... Uh, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, it isn't difficult to like someone and to love someone that's lovable and that loves us. But the challenge comes for us to love people that are unlovable and that we don't necessarily like in their ways. And this is what he did for us. And we need to understand how important that is. The first commandment is for us to practice love. Now, who do you love? Uh, how can you love someone you don't know? And yet we're told to love someone, God, that we don't know except by faith. And the only way we know about God is what he's written about himself and given unto us and demonstrated about himself. And yet God said, the answer to all man's difficulties is just loving me, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is likened to it is to love the person who's near to you. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who that person is. We think, well, it's your neighbor. It's just the person that you're living with. It's the person you have a relationship with. It's just the person next door. It's the person you have to work with. It's the person that you have to put up with. It's the person. It's just the person that's near you. It's just the person who's in need. 
just like that uh, Samaritan going down the way and he saw this person half dead. That was his neighbor. <clears throat> so it's the person that we have to deal with. It's just humanity that we have to deal with. And, and God said that is, the, that, that is the important thing is for us to cultivate that. Now when we're cultivating that, what are we doing? We're having the, the, the Spirit is working in us. And he gives his Holy Spirit to them that obey him. So when you are doing that in obedience to God, you are, you talk about, well, I don't know about the Spirit. I don't know, uh, I don't know much about it. Well, you need to understand that when you're obedient to the commands and to the instructions of God, you are then appropriating the Spirit. And the Spirit is, the, is seen in your action. Uh, the D on your outline there, under the love, is uh, love. If you want to sort of look at love, love is it, 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 love sacrifices. Love goes out of its way to help. Love, uh, the good Samaritan didn't didn't have to do what he did, but he did it because he wanted to do it, and then he he gave more than was necessary, and he said, if it is any more than than a two days work. Uh, he left that much money, and he said, if it's any more than that, I'll pay that when I come. So he was sacrificing. And uh, when we have to get along with people, and when we have to make the church uh, uh, have its example in the community, and we have to make it go, and we want to have an influence in the world, it may take us having love toward one another as well as toward the outside world. It, it, we have to sacrifice. Love according to 1 Corinthians 13, suffers long, and love is kind. And uh, uh, F, love bears. That is, it just bears under the difficult load. It bears, and, and, and uh, uh, it just takes the load off of people right and left. You see people overburdened? He just tries to help that person. Has empathy and understanding. And a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter to me. That's their problem, not mine. That's not love. Now, I'll tell you one of the greatest examples we have of love. I want you to turn over to, to Genesis, the 29th chapter. It does something. I can quote that passage, but I think it does something for you if you will read that because uh, these are fascinating words in, uh, in Genesis, the 29th chapter and the 20th verse. And it... it uh, it really says something of love, uh, and it's said in such a, a special way here. You remember this, that Jacob worked seven years for Leah, and he thought he was going to get Rachel, and he ended up with Leah. Look at that 29 and, and verse uh, 20. Uh, and Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. But you know what happened in the next few verses? He didn't get her. He slipped in his older, and he said, well, the law is that you have to take the firstborn. Well, you know what he did? He worked seven more years, and it just seemed like nothing. Now, he was in love with her. And to me, that is a, a great example. If, if we want to help and work and do the work of the Lord, 
and be the kind of church that people look at. You know, in John the 15th chapter, verses, what is that, 30, 31 or 30 through 34, he says, all men will know you, my disciples, by the love you have one for another. Now that's the way people look in and look and say that if, does people have the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit working in them? Do they have any fruit of the Spirit? Or if they have a love for one another and it's working and it's demonstrated like that, they have, they're filled with the Spirit. The second fruit is joy. The Apostle Paul used joy and rejoicing often. In uh, 14, if you'll turn to uh, the 14th chapter of the book of uh, Romans, and uh, I want you just to look at that. That is uh, a great passage there. And uh, the 17th verse, for the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is the church of God. The kingdom of God are spirit or fleshly beings filled with the spirit of God. We know what that is. It's the church. But it isn't meat and drink. You know, it's righteousness. It's doing what's right. And it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, you could have righteousness and you could have be doing right and you could have peace and you could have joy but if you don't understand that that's a part of appropriating the Spirit of God, and you own it, and you understand it, and you accept it, then you're working in harmony with the knowledge of God's Word, and He's working in you, and the Spirit is having His way into your life. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. In Philippians 4 and 4, he said, In nothing be anxious. Or he said, in 3, he said, The, the, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is present. That's the way we would say it in our language today. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by uh, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. This is the, the verse there, the fourth. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. But he also says the Lord is present. The Lord is here. The Lord is near. He is near. And I don't know if you're just caught up in the idea that you know God is present and Christ is present, you have joy. But if a person doesn't have that, if he's sad and he's depressed, there's something wrong with his faith. And the Holy Spirit is being, is being uh, really grieved if we don't understand that the product and the byproduct of appropriating the Spirit and accepting it is joy. And if we're not joyful, there's something wrong with our faith and there's something wrong with our teaching. Uh, I want you to remember that he was in prison when he wrote this to the Philippians. And most people would have been depressed and have been talking about things that, that were dark and dreary. But he wrote, and he, he wrote to them that were out there, and he told them the Lord is near and he's present and, and rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. And the word in the book of Philippians is just rejoice and joy all the way through. Real joy comes only from God. And God can help it and kindle it and help it. Now sin has a way of just wiping out joy. 
When a man sins, he's going to erase the joy in his life. And, you know, you can't hide sin. You can't sin, I don't care if it's just an attitude. I don't know why people don't understand that nonverbal language is so obvious to God and to people. A smile, a greeting, a recognition of an individual is a part of really communication. But if we're not friendly and we're not greeting one another and we're not understanding the significance of individuals, there's something wrong. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says that God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If he sows of the flesh, he shall of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows of the Spirit, he shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You know, Solomon said if a man would have friends, he must first show himself friendly. What are we saying? We're saying... The Holy Spirit's going to help you. God's going to help you. Christ's going to help you. But you've got to exercise that. And, and God, will, God wants people to be happy. He wants them to be joyous. Now let's take Job for an example. <clears throat> He's a great demonstration of hanging in there. He, he said, you know, when everything was taken care of it, or taken away from him, <clears throat> he was taken care of But this outlook. He said, God takes away. A God gives and God takes away. And I know that he went through a lot of hard times. And, and, and he, he never really lost his faith, but his faith wavered to some degree that he wondered where God was. And, and he, he offered up sacrifices afterwards, but his friends, uh, the devil, had worked on, worked on him. Now that just shows us that the devil doesn't leave us alone. And a great man like Job, he still had joy. He said, when he was in his toughest times, he said, I'm, I know my Redeemer lives. And his friends, when they friends to tell him he's just a big old sinner and it's just a lot of sin that caused all this, he just said, it isn't true. He said, I, I just like to have a place with God and I just like to go before him. And I, I just like to uh, vindicate myself before God. I'll show you. It's not that I have sinned and done all these things you accuse me of. So he kept his, his hopes up. Now, in Second Samuel, the 12th chapter and 15 through 23, is a great example of David and of the joy that uh, comes from a person <clears throat> holding on to life everlasting. Now, this is a case, if you want to read this uh, sometime, it's a case where Joe, I mean, where David sinned. He was out, he, he was a king, and he looked out on the housetop, and he saw this beautiful lady of another man's wife. And he coveted after her, and he had her come over, and, he, and, and as a result, uh, she got uh, pregnant and had a son. And sin just kept on as a chain. Uh, he decided, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. You told me about this. So what we'll do is bring your husband home, and it'll be his son and, and uh, his baby, and he won't have to worry. So when he brought him home from the battlefield, you know the story, uh, he said, I want you to go in with your wife and, and have uh, be with your family. 
I couldn't do that. My comrades were out there on the battlefield. I couldn't do it. So he got the blind in and he got him drunk. And he said, now go on. And, and he wouldn't do it. He stayed up all night. And he just, he was there. And next morning he was still there. The loyalty of that man. And then he sent him to the front and he, and he gave orders that everybody retreat but him and let him die. He killed him. Now, it, sin has a way of just stepping one step at a time and, and until it just even gets towards murder. And you know, Nathan comes and says, you know, you have a man in your kingdom who, who has one little ewe lamb and another man who had a lot of lambs and he goes out and kills the man and he takes his only ewe lamb. He said, well, boy, that man will not live in my kingdom. He said, well, you are a man. You're the man. And he, he repented. But you know, the baby lived <clears throat> for a little while, just long enough for him to get a hold of the fact that, that God could probably save his life, but he didn't choose to. He died. When the baby died, they went to him and said, uh, <clears throat> well, when they told him, someone got courage enough to tell him, and he went up and worshipped God. The people that was afraid to go to him because uh, they knew that he could kill them if he didn't accept the, their presence. They said, we'd like to ask you a question. Why did you, why did you fast and pray and, and go through all of that turmoil? And then when they told you he, di he died, why did you get up and take the attitude? Here's the joy. Here's the joy that we appropriate. It only comes <clears throat> from the understanding that there's more to life than just to live. He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, uh, while that baby was living, I thought God could save that baby. If he didn't, he said, I know he's gone and, and I'll never bring him back, but I can go where he is. And he worshiped, he had joy. Now, that's the only place... I. Uh, that you can go to when people are depressed because of death and they're sad. You can go to hope that we live afterwards and we have hope in Christ. Now, if they lose that, then they lose their joy. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And that's, that's what makes people adjust in times of difficulties. The third fruit is, is the peace. The Bible speaks about uh, true peace. In Isaiah 26, and three, the true peace that comes, and of course, that is through Christ. Hebrews 12 and 14 says that you seek after peace, and, uh, and that is which when we get, uh, that is a sustaining power. You follow after peace, and sanctification without which no man can see the Lord. No man can see the Lord. Now you talk about peace being a fruit of the Spirit. It, it comes when you understand, when you obey, he gives you his Spirit, but when you obey is when you appropriate that peace. Seek after peace, Romans 12, verse 14 says, without which no man can see, and that means appropriate and understand and see the Lord. But the peace that comes from having that kind of, of a, 
You know, by faith. <clears throat> Therefore, being justified by faith. That's what Romans 5 and 1 says. Therefore, being justified by faith. Faith is, is that which is unseen. We have peace. And when we have peace, we have fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit's working in us. We're adjusting according to the Holy Spirit. See? And uh, uh, 14 and 19, we have... Uh, uh, 14 and 17, we read. But I want you to see that uh, 14, Romans uh, 14 and 19, uh, if you will. Where he says, Let us therefore follow after the peace, the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Now we think that baptism is very important, and if people are not baptized, they're lost. We think it's very important for people not to curse, because if they're going to curse and you take God's name in vain, that they're at lost and they're outside of God's love. But you know, why is it that people can't see that they're just as lost and out of touch with the Spirit when people don't follow after things which make for peace and build people up? See, People are ready to criticize people who have sinned and had trouble in different ways. And they're just watchdogs for God, they think. They're trying to correct everybody. And yet they themselves will not follow after peace and will not try to build people up. And that is a really obey, obeying. He gives his Holy Spirit to people who obey him. What is to obey? Sure is to be baptized. Sure is to repent. Sure, it's to keep the right kind of thoughts, but it's to seek after peace and the sanctification with which no man can see the Lord. What a wonderful thing it is. Isaiah 9, 9 and 6 says, He is, uh, is the Prince of Peace, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and we have him in our heart and we put him on in baptism and then we appropriate him by being obedient to some of these things that he's given us after follow after peace, we have to do our part. See, Ephesians 2.14, he broke down the middle wall of partition that he might give peace to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Romans 12 and 18. We follow after peace. Luke 2 and verse 13 and 14, he, it is here. Peace on earth, goodwill toward man, the angels said, the shepherds. Peace on earth, how is it made possible for Christ coming here? Giving us the instructions. It's available to us. Now that we are 2,000 years away from his death, we still have access to peace, but it's our own making. It's our own appropriation. And we can have his spirit working in us when we listen. And yes, he is the Prince of Peace. And never peace at, at, at any price. You don't give up principle and living like God wants us to. The fourth fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. And we could spend a long time on that. But you know, there's two words. It means just to suffer long and then to endure. And the many examples that we could give, 
Let's just, uh, you know, when Peter said, when the long suffering of God waited in the days of, Mo, of, of Noah, when the ark was preparing, you know how long it took the ark to be prepared? And how much preacher that, how much uh, preaching that preacher of righteousness did? And God was long suffering to those people. They were wicked. They were doing things that were bad. And they, they could have repented, but they didn't. But you know, God said, I'll never destroy the, the, the earth again, but I'm going to start destroy it by fire once more. But you know how long that's been? That's been a long time since he destroyed the earth by water. He sent his son since then. He's put up with the wicked people who crucified him. And then in the third chapter of, of Second Peter, he said, uh, we're foreseeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of people we ought to be in all the holy living God is looking for and earnestly desiring the coming day of the Lord. The earth that uh, pass away with a great noise, and the elements thereof shall melt with fervent heat. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of people we ought to be in all holy living God is looking for and earnestly desiring the coming a day of the Lord. Now, it's been a long time, but Peter said, it's going to come. Long-suffering is that God is long-suffering. And, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't lose our patience. We should understand that God is long-suffering. And it's the fruit of the Spirit to be long-suffering. Now, as we get older, our tempers are easy to arouse. And, and we're not aware of that until you start aging. And when you age, your arteries get hardened and you're less uh, able to control. And yet, Christianity controls that better than anything. Now, you can take medication, and you can take tranquilizer, and you can take other things, but you know there's not anything like the Holy Spirit to help you to be long-suffering and understanding toward. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you ignore doctors and ignore things that we have found in science. That's okay. But the greatest thing we have is the characteristic of the Spirit. And it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's to be understanding, enduring, and hanging in there. If you're not a Christian, if you're not walking in full fellowship with God, uh, God still waits, you know. If you've left him out of your life, he wants you back. He wants you appropriating. He wants you to be fruitful. If you're subject to the invitation, you come as we stand together and say.